is the message of salvation. And the weak vessels are us. What he meant by weak vessels? That we experience suffering, we experience pain, persecution in our ministry. But actually, God uses this so his mind, his power, may be manifested in us. So actually, I will not be preaching only by my words, but when the people see how the power of God, how the love of Christ is working in my need, body in this earthly vessel, actually they will give thanks to God and they will glorify His holy name. And then in the last three verses in the chapter, from verse 16 to verse 16, he said, that's why we do not lose heart. And by the way, this chapter is a very important chapter in the life of Paul. St. Paul repeated the word, we do not lose heart, more than one time in this chapter. And he's explaining why we want to start. And he concluded by saying, even if the outward man, the body, is perishing, but the inward man is renewed daily by the most of Christ. And all the sufferings that we face here on earth are not compared with the glory that awaits us when we go to heaven. That's why he said, I am not focusing on the scene, because what we see is temporary. But I focus on the unseen, because the unseen is eternal. This is actually the summary of the chapter, and then we can start uh, reading verse by verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not, we do not lose heart. St. Paul in this verse giving two reasons why he doesn't lose heart, why he doesn't get discouraged. Although there are many hardships, many persecutions, many trouble facing him on a daily basis. Why, in spite of all this persecution, he doesn't lose heart? Number one, the first reason, because we have this ministry. He is referring to what he mentioned in the previous chapter. The ministry of the new covenant versus the ministry of the old covenant. The ministry of the spirit of life the ministry of glory, this ministry that is based on the grace of God, empowered me, encouraged me, so even in the midst of all this persecution and hardship, I will not lose heart. I hope that we as servants, we should focus on the glory of our service, on the glory of this ministry that God entrusted us with, so that's the case when we see some hardships 
or we see some problems in our service, we don't say, I don't think anymore, I'm quitting. St. Paul is saying, we should not lose heart because we have such a glorious ministry. And there is another reason. As he said, as we have received mercy, I am not serving by my own talents. I am not serving by my own power. I am not serving by the excellent words of wisdom of this world. But actually, we are serving because of his mercy. That's why he's saying, I was a persecutor. I was a blasphemer. And God had mercy on me and chose me and appointed me to such places. So, if I face persecution now, I will not lose heart. Because I myself was a persecutor before, and God transformed me. So, I will not lose heart. That's why I will preach the gospel in boldness of speech, in boldness of action, in patience and suffering. I will endure all these struggles and these sufferings because we have such glorious mercy and we have received such mercy from God. This But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. St. Paul is saying, I am not ashamed of this ministry. People persecute me. People say to me, you are following a crucified God. God provided the cross, but I am not ashamed because you don't know the glory and the power of this crucified God. He is the true God who risen, has risen from the dead and abolished the power of death. That's why I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ as we said in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. And he says this ministry is not like the ministry of the Old Covenant. The ministry of the Old Covenant is fear, was fear, was hidden. And Moses actually, when he was speaking to the people, he had a fear to symbolize the fear of their hearts. So he couldn't look beyond the words into the spirit. They couldn't understand the ministry and see the symbols about Christ and salvation in the old covenant. But the gospel of Christ is not real. That's why I will not actually use hidden things because it is unreal. The symbols of Christ must take me away from all dishonest practices or teach. Some people in order to spread their faith, they use 
kind of ways, deceitful ways, to trick the people. They do not say the truth about their faith. They deceive the people in order to trick them to believe. But Sarkul says, no, the gospel of Christ is unveiled. And actually, it preaches the glorious message of salvation. That's why we have renounced the different things of shame. I'm not ashamed to say that Christ is crucified. I'm not ashamed to say that God became man to save me. I'm not ashamed of the message of salvation. So I will not hide it from the people and seek them in the little things of shame. Sarkul actually was rebuking the false teachers and the deceitful teachers who were trying to bring the Corinthians under the old Jewish government. Shame usually leads to hiding. When a person is ashamed of something, he will hide it. But Sarkul said, I'm not ashamed of this message. That's why I will not hide it. I will not hide the message of, of the gospel. But with great boldness of speech, by the manifestation of the truth, I will preach the gospel of Christ. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Not walking in handling, uh, not walking in craftiness, not like the false teachers who perverted the word of God and added to elements from the Jewish tradition, which were just symbols to the gospel of Christ, and they brought false ideas about Christ. That's why the false said, no, we will not actually preach the word with craftiness, or we will handle the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. What do we mean by commending ourselves? The false teachers cast doubt on the apostleship of St. Paul. That's why chapter 3, St. Paul started by telling them, do we need a recommendation letter to you? Should I make some recommendation letters to tell you that I am apostle of Christ? And then chapter 4, he is saying, what is my recommendation letter to you? My recommendation letter is, I will manifest to you the truth of the message of the gospel of Christ. So, by manifestation of the truth, by preaching the truth, I can commend myself as an apostle, and you will know that I am an apostle called by God uh, to be an apostle for the Gentiles. And here, who will judge me? I'm not asking common people to judge me. I'm not asking false teachers to judge me, to say I am an apostle or not. But we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Those who have their conscience 
It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they need the junction in the sight of God. They will know that I am a true apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why, by the manifestation of the truth, I have committed myself to you to every man's conscience in the sight of God, not in the sight of men. But some false teachers will argue St. Paul and tell him that the gospel is vague, like the old problem. The message is not clear. So St. Paul here answers them in verse 3. But even if our gospel is vague, it is vague to those who are perishing. And here it's compared between the veil that was in the Old Testament and the veil that is in the Gospel for those who are perishing. In the Old Covenant, God actually hid the message from the people. He was speaking to them in variety, in symbols. But in the New Testament, God is not hiding the message. The message is unveiled. He revealed himself to us clearly and openly as the Son of God. And the message of salvation is clear. But if my heart is blinded, I will not be able to see the light of sun. So it's it's somebody cannot see the truth of the gospel, it's not because God hid it, but it is because I am blind. I am blinded because I refuse to believe in him. I refuse to accept him. And Satan has blinded me completely in order to not to see the light of the gospel. That's why he says, as I told you in chapter 3, there is no death in Christ. But uh, it is only death to those who are blinded by the God of this world. As he said in this world, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Whose mind the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on him. So he's saying, who is the God of this world? Here God is foolishly. The God of the prince of this world is Satan, as read in John chapter 12, verse 51, and as read in Philippians chapter 3 verse 19. Satan is called the prince of this world, or the darkest small sheep of this world. Satan blinded the mind of them who refuse to believe. How is Satan blinded by his deceitfulness? Satan, Satan's power. Life, life in his ability to deceive. 
and actually exceeding both his ability to receive, he will be powerless. That's why the Bible says, and when we fell through the seed of the servant. So, Satan actually, as he received Eve and Adam, and reminded them not to seek the commandment of God. In the same way, Satan actually cast it out in the heart of the people, blinded the mind, so they would not see the light of the gospel. And the light of the gospel is called the gospel of the glory of Christ. Why the gospel is called the gospel of the glory of Christ? Because this gospel reveals to us the glory of Christ. The glory as our King, the glory as our Savior, the glory as we abolish the power of death. And most Christ, He is the image of God. Nobody has seen the Father. But if we see the Son, we see the Father as the Lord says to heaven. If you see me, you see the Father. So, Sarkul called him, him here, the image of God, which means when we see him, we see uh, the Father. And one secret blinded their mind, lest the light of the dust of the glory of Christ should shine on them and believe. So, he blinded them completely. Another argument of those preachers or the false teachers made against the school because they made many, many attacks, they cast down on his apostleship and also they cast down on his indignity. Sanfur in first Corinthians chapter eleven he told them, follow me as I follow Christ. So the first teacher took this verse, follow me as I follow Christ, and said to the Corinthians, St. Paul's speech himself, he's asking you to follow him. So St. Paul responded to this accusation in verse 5 by saying, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your own servants for Jesus' sake. He said, I told you, follow me. I'm not saying that I am your God for me, worship me, no. I'm saying, see how God can mercy for me. And transfer me from darkness of sin into the light of Christ. How after I was persecuted of the church, now I am persecuted. I am willing you to follow my footsteps as I am following the footsteps of Christ. But I know I am a servant, I am a born servant, servant by the way means slave. The accurate translation of Paul servant is the same. So actually, St. Paul is saying, after saying that I will not, actually, I am your slave for Christ's sake, to bring the gospel of salvation to you. I'm not preaching myself, but I'm preaching Christ 
as our Lord. So we have no sense seeking here, but we seek to reach only Jesus Christ. Uh, and we think that once we the Lord Jesus Christ, and why he considered himself as slave to them, as monster. The answer is verse actually uh, six. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He told them, I was living in darkness. And actually, the Paul is comparing himself before his conversion with the description of the earth in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. When you read Genesis chapter 1, the earth was void, formless, and there was darkness. What does God hear in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3? He says, let there be light. Then actually, light starts to shine on earth. See, in the same way. And God actually made light to shine in the darkness of the earth in the same way. God shone by His light in my heart. I was blind, I was walking in the darkness, but now I see the light of Christ. That's why I want every one of you to taste and see the light of Christ. I want you to know the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So, when you know Christ, you will know the glory of God the Father. Because the glory of God the Father revealed to us in the Son Jesus Christ. And this knowledge in itself is love, because your knowledge enlightens our minds. So he said, as God enlightened my heart, I have told you to live in Christ. So the light of the glory of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ may shine in your hearts. So he's referring here to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 3, how God brought light in the darkness of the earth, and he said in the same way, the glory of God was revealed in the Son, who has shown to us the divine excellency, the tenderness of the Father, and the love of the Lord. Another accusation. So I told you the first accusation. They cast doubt in his apostleship. Second accusation, they told him, Paul is preaching himself. He told him to follow me. The third accusation against Paul was, see how much sufferings he is facing. If he is the apostle of God, God would save him all the sufferings. That's why Paul is responding to this accusation in verse 7 by saying, but we have this treasure. What is the treasure? The treasure is the knowledge of Christ. The treasure is the glorious mystery 
of the new program. He said, we have this research in earthen business. Earthen business that we are the earth We are the minister, the apostles. He, he, he said, oh yeah, the earthen but we have this treasure in earthen business that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. He is saying it was wrong and if we don't have any persecution or any harsh and we spread the gospel of Christ, people may claim that evangelism and reaching the gospel of Christ is because of our power, because of our wife, who are strong. That's why we were able to spread the gospel of Christ. But if the people realize that we are weak and we are surrounded by suffering from everywhere, but in spite of this, the gospel of Christ actually is going everywhere and many people believe in Christ and churches are growing then here the power, the excellence of the power in the of God and not of us. Actually this morning I was speaking with Allah who told me in spite of all the restriction on building churches in Egypt but many, many churches were built in the last 40 years. So I responded by this verse. I told them that the excellence of the power will be of God, not of us. In spite of all these restrictions, but God is working powerfully. Nobody can stand against God. And he said, Paul, he wants to say, as God said to the apostles and told them, take no money, take no clothes, don't rely on any earthly thing, and I will show you how to spread the gospel of Christ. So the power, the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. So the treasure of the knowledge of Christ and the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And the earthen vessels are the servants. And this year we can say, or we can see how the word of God is attributed to his power, not uh, to us. And from this, it actually gets a line. He mentioned four pairs of contrasts. And he showed here that earthen vessels versus the excellence of the power of God. Very, very interesting, uh, this four contrast. So, he's saying we are from the press of every side. From every side we are from. From every side we are not the press of fish. Yet, not crushed. That is the excellence of power of God. You expect if we are troubled from every side, if people pressure us from every side, putting restrictions 
appreciate us, what do we expect? We expect to be crushed. But the result, we are not crushed. That is the excellent power of God. We are perplexed, but not for the sake. We are perplexed because of the persecution, because of the suffering, because of the hardship. Many times we are confused. Many times we say, where is God? But in spite of all this, we never fall into despair. Yes, we face overwhelming difficulties every day. But God of hope is with us. So we never fail in despair. Our friends, the earth is little than the outer place. But the excellence of the power of God we are not in despair. Verse 9. Persecution. Yes, there is persecution. But not for sin. God wants us. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Yes, we are persecuted. Every day we face persecution by our enemies. But God actually never forsake us and give us all, all the time to give us victory and prosperity. The last one, struck down. What do you say? It was struck down. He stole. But no, was struck down yet or not from the soul. We are overthrown and passed to the earth. But God actually empowers us and makes us stand again, and we are never destroyed. The church of God is strong in spite of all the persecution and attacks against the church. Because God told us that the gates of David shall not prevail against. So St. Paul in verse 8 and 9, in a wonderful, amazing way, he explained how we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Treasure which are not true, are not in fear, are not distressed, we are not forsaken. But in earth's business, those who are troubled, perplexed, persecuted, uh, and cast down, or struck down. Verse 6. He continues uh, his explanation about the earth's business, or the weaknesses, and the excellence of the power of God. Verse 7. Always carrying about in the mouth. The body of the Lord Jesus. Hell, we are always carrying the life of Jesus. Because all of us who are facing sufferings and threats of death, as the Lord Jesus Christ died, that's why he put the body of Jesus. All the time we are facing threats of death, suffering, persecution. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. Meaning what? St. Paul was sold several times. He faced death more than one time. He faced shift more than one time. He was scourged more than one time. And in spite of all these 
in the middle of all the generations, one was responsible for in getting us for this. And then the reason why it was not good for because of the faith. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what's written, I believe, and therefore I saw, we also believe and therefore see. St. Paul is referring to Psalm 116, verse 10. David in this psalm said, I believe and therefore I spoke. So, St. Paul is saying, preaching the gospel is based on the power of faith. And we have the same spirit, the spirit that David had, the spirit of faith, we have the same faith. And this is actually influence compelled me in a positive way to preach the gospel of salvation to you. And encouraged me to endure all these suffering. Now the faith is more open. The faith is not very like all popular. The, the faith now is unveiled. We know that it will be risen. So even if we are killed, we will rise again because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's what he says in verse 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with him. So he said, he said all what we can do they can kill the world. They cannot do anything more than this. They cannot kill the spirit. And even the power that they can kill, God will raise in the last day, in his second coming, as Jesus rose from the dead. So, as Jesus rose from the dead, in the same way, we will be raised in the second coming of Christ. That's why we do not lose our This is our faith. If we die from him, he will raise. That's why we preach. We are not afraid. We will preach. Even if they are going to kill us. Because they cannot do more than this. And even if they kill us, God will raise again in the last day. So that is the third reason why we are not lose hope. Verse 15. For all things are for you sakes that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to be adorned to the glory of God. Again, St. Paul is saying to them, I am not preaching myself. If I'm preaching myself, I wouldn't face all these threats of death and all these sufferings day after day. I am accepting all this for you. All things are for your sake. Our suffering, our being I am accepting all this for you. That the grace, the grace of God, the new covenant which is based on the grace, when we spread through many, and when you believe in Christ, may good thanksgiving, people will give thanks to God 
And then he even will be allowed to the glory of God. So my ultimate goal is to glorify God. I'm accepting that for you to see that you accept the grace of God. And when you accept the grace of God, you will give thanks to God. And when thanksgiving will allow God will be glorified. That's why I glorify God in my ministry. Thus, this is the way I'm glorifying God in my ministry. And this theme is giving more reasons why he does not lose heart. Number one, he says, I don't lose heart because we have glorious things. Number two, we have the presence of God. Number three, we do not lose heart because we have the faith. I have to read and show and show. Number four, there is a scheme. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Even though our outward man is searching, yet the inward man is being renewed day after day. Yes, our outward man, our body is searching from suffering, from hardship. But my spirit, every day actually, is renewed like you. He will renew like an eagle, you do. So he's saying, though our God waste away under trials and our threatened is death, but our spirit is renewed day by day. Our spiritual strength is constantly renewed. Christ. So that's another reason giving me uh, uh, hope and making me not lose his heart. Because my spirit is renewed every day. This is For our life affliction, which is bound among us, is worthy for us a far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. And I want you to see the contrast. He uses the word light and contrasted by the word weight, light and weight. And he uses affliction and the contrast is through. And he uses for a moment and the contrast here exceeding and eternal. So it's saying our affliction is light and for a moment. But our glory is heavy and eternal. And here actually, for those and Paul face many afflictions, but he called to them light. Why? Because his eyes were focused on the glorious reward that he will receive. And although he faces continual suffering, he says, we die daily for Christ. But we consider this suffering for a moment. Why? Because he kept in his mind a eternal life. And this is actually the lesson of all this. If you focus on the suffering here, it will be hidden and it will be seen like forever. But if you see the suffering in the light of eternal glory, 
you will see that for some of it is not it's actually very light and it is just full of good the glory is heavy and eternal. And in this way you will not lose heart. You will easily put up with the suffering and with the hardship if you look all the time as the eternal glory. The cross will be light if we so if we see the resurrection and the eternal crown. The soul that we endure for Christ prepared for us eternal glory. That's a fifth reason why we should endure suffering. If we keep our eyes on the eternal glory, it will be easy for us here not to lose hope. Not to lose hope. And finally, the last verse, verse 15. Why do we not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen? The suffering is not seen, but the glory is what is not seen. For things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen by the where are your eyes fixed? If your eyes are fixed on the unseen, on the eternal glory, that your physical eyes cannot be actually it will be easy for us to endure the affliction and the persecution and the suffering for Christ. And actually, will belong to this eternal glory. Whatever is seen is temporary. Whether it is riches of the world, whether it is riches of the world, whether it is suffering of the world, whether it is hardship of the world, the world will pass away and all its glory. So, whatever we see, is perishing and incredible. Even this earth and this heaven, this heaven and earth is passing. But God, heaven, the eternal life, the glory, the crowns, which we cannot see right now, these are eternal. That's why let our eyes be turned upon the unseen, rather seeing the things that are seen. This will empower us to endure the suffering and not to lose heart in the midst of suffering. Glory to God.